Some of you have these, right? Maybe you don't have one now with you. You might wish that you did, right? It's a Starbucks cup. It's a red cup. This is a a reusable cup that they gave out for free to those of us who got there in time uh, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, But it's a nice Uh, It's a nice cup, right? Starbucks has a tradition of creating a series of holiday cups, something different uh, during the holiday season. These are the 2018 holiday cups. I don't care so much about the cup as what's in it. Um, Here is the series of cups from 2009 through 2015, right? These These are just coffee cups. They're just coffee cups. But in 2015, the design was the source of a lot of controversy. Some people thought that the design of the 2015 cup, which is is a plain red cup, was a slam against Christianity and against uh, against Christmas and how we as Christians celebrate Christmas. They, They believed that it was a slam because it's just a plain red cup. It didn't have anything on it. And as I look at those cups, I'm thinking, what does a snowman and sledding really have to do with Jesus anyway, right? But, but this cup, this plain red coffee cup, stirred up a lot of controversy that year. Honestly, the only thing I see wrong with that cup on the end is that it doesn't have any of the whipped cream goodness on top of it, Right? With the ensuing controversy, some people who claim to follow Jesus spent a lot of time focused on the issue of the cups, arguing for the red cup, arguing against the red cup, arguing against the arguing about the red cup, all in the Christmas season, all as we claim to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. I think the same people probably would have argued this same point as well. Harrison Ford, this can't be the real cup of Christ. It doesn't say Merry Christmas, right? In an effort to keep Christ in Christmas, it seems like a lot of people lost Christ in Christian and what it means to actually follow Jesus. So much for peace on earth, joy to the world, goodwill to all, love come down at Christmas. We may not be arguing about Starbucks cups this year. I mean, you might want to fight me for this one. This is a nice cup. Frank tried to steal it a while ago. (laughs) But there are certainly other issues going on in our lives about which we disagree. And in this season, when we celebrate the birth of Christ, the birth of love, we can, if we're not careful, too easily fall into focusing on the issue so much so that we actually miss Jesus. And sometimes, even with good intention, we can be so focused on the issue and our opinion about the issue that we even use Jesus to co-opt our opinion. We co-opt Jesus to agree with our opinion in order to make someone else wrong, all in this season of love. And if we do, then we miss the whole point of Jesus being born into the world. We miss the whole point that that our goal and our purpose in life is not to be right, but to be in right relationship with God and with one another. 
being loved by God as who we are, where we are, so that we can love others as they are where they are. In this season of Advent, I invite you to be mindful and to consider even today how well you love. In particular, how well you love those with whom you disagree. Those feelings of disagreement are often heightened when we are gathered as families together around the holidays. I invite you to consider how difficult it is for you to love those with whom you disagree and perhaps how well you do it and to hear God's invitation for you to love differently and to, to love well. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word today. Let it take hold of us and may it transform us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Arguing about issues isn't new to us. Even in the early church, they argued about issues. There were issues that divided them. What was clean, what was unclean. What you could eat, what you couldn't eat. What you could do on the Sabbath and couldn't do on the Sabbath. They argued about the difference between law and grace. They argued about who was in and who was out and what you, what you had to do to be in and how you could get kicked out. They argued as much as we do. They felt passionately about issues as much as we do. And many of Paul's letters were written to these communities, these early communities of faith, to encourage them to remember who they were and to give them some instruction in this. This comes from his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. I mean, there's two versions on here from the NIV and then from the message. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates it. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. He's asking them a really hard question, and he asks us as well. Has your faith in Jesus, has your experience of Jesus made a difference in your life? And if so... Is that difference evident in how you live? Is that difference that Jesus makes different, I mean, evident in how you live? Or do you blend in pretty well with the culture around you? On some level, this is for us as individuals. We say yes to following Jesus on our own. Nobody else can do that for us. But this is also to us as the body of Christ. In that very first verse, uh, if you have any encouragement, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, that you is plural. He's talking to the whole community. We say yes to Jesus on our own, but we can't live for Jesus 
without the body of Christ. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to the body of Christ. Paul's talking to the whole community. Do you as a community of faith look different than the world in which you live? Sometimes we forget this. And our culture, our current culture, certainly doesn't help. We live in a culture that's very focused on the individual, right? What do I want? What do I need? What do I get out of this? How can I secure my place? What's in it for me? How do I get ahead? One of the books that we're using as a resource this Advent season is called Down to Earth uh, by Mike Slaughter and Rachel Billups, who are pastors at Ginghamsburg United Methodist Church. And Rachel writes this, Faith in Jesus is not about my ambitions, my opinions, my interests, or even our differences, our arguments, or our desire to be right. Faith is not about just me or my relationship with you. Faith is demonstrated in us. Following Jesus is about what we do together and how we treat one another, both those who are part of the body of Christ and those who are not. So what does it mean for us today to consider this text? First, in this book, they say you don't have to agree to agree. We don't all have to think alike. We don't all have to have the same opinion. And Paul's not telling them they do. He's asking them to love. And he's asking them to understand that the mind, the one mind they're part of, is that there's something greater than self. When they've said yes to following Jesus, they've said yes to this community of faith. They've said yes to something greater than themselves. All of us have said, something, have said yes to something greater than ourselves, that, that Jesus is more important than what I want to do as an individual. That Jesus is, is my plumb line for how I live and for how I treat other people. We don't have to agree on everything in order to agree that we're part of something greater than us. We don't have to agree to agree that God's love is bigger than anything that we can do. And that Jesus' command to us as followers is that we love. What's bigger than us is God's love for us in Christ and the command and the invitation to love, to love God, to love others, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, to love Not just in word and deed, not just I I think I'm going to love someone or I feel like loving someone, but to actually do something, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those in prison, to provide shelter for the homeless, to be mindful of one another, to love as God loves. It's that agape love, that the highest form of love, that sacrificial love. It's oriented to the other and not to self. Jesus says part of that love is to forgive. And part of that love is to serve, to wash one another's feet. Uh, in John's gospel, in chapter 13, Jesus, at dinner with his disciples, washes their feet as a sign of servanthood and instructs them to do the same. And in that same 
chapter, he says, this is how people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not just feel good about somebody, not just want to be with somebody, but if you love one another the way that Jesus has loved. And Jesus loved by serving and by giving of himself, being willing to lay down his life for us. The only way that people know that we as individuals, but as the body of Christ, the only way people know that we are following Jesus is in how we love. We don't have to agree to agree because the love of God binds us together. And that love is greater than our differences of opinion. Love is hard. There's no question about that. It's hard because it requires us to see beyond whatever our issue is to the person on the other side of the issue, to the person behind the issue, to the person whom Jesus loves as much as Jesus loves us. Henry Nowen one of my favorite authors, pastors. We cannot love issues, but we can love people. And the love of people reveals to us the way we deal with issues. One of the ways that Paul instructs us to deal with issues continues in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. The message says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. What he's not saying is that you become a doormat for other people to walk all over you. He's saying that as you live in the love of God for you, you're willing to extend that love of God beyond yourself to others. You're, you're willing to think beyond what's in it for you so that you can help provide love for others. We don't have to agree to agree, and we don't have to win to win. When we say yes to Jesus, that's our victory. When we say yes to Jesus, we're on the winning team. We don't have to win against our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've already all won. But we live in this culture of competition. We live in this culture that pushes us not just to compete, but to win. And somewhere along the way, we've bought into the lie that, that winning is what gives us value. That winning and being right determines our identity. That winning and being right somehow gets us uh, success in the kingdom of God. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with healthy competition, but when competition and the result, winning or losing, become more important to us than our competitor and the relationship we share, then we've missed the mark. You'll be happy to know that even the disciples struggled with this. James and John, two of Jesus' closest friends, the son of Zebedee, came forward to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Now there's 12 disciples, but these two aren't content just to be two of the 12. 
They want to be at the top. They want to be in those places of honor next to Jesus. You can imagine how this went down with the other disciples, right? Right? They uh, were not pleased. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them, but it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Surely Jesus must have sighed deeply as he looked at these disciples. And surely he probably does with us too, right? When we become so focused on the issue that we miss the person. We become so focused on being right and winning that we miss the call to love. I suspect it's because we're uncertain that we are loved. And we're reaching and we're grasping for something that's already ours. Jesus loves the disciples still and loves us still and invites us to love one another. We don't have to agree or win to love. We don't have to all agree and we don't have to win to love. Love is bigger than all of us agreeing. And love is bigger than winners and losers. We don't have to agree or win to love. And maybe that's how we come to recognize that nobody can actually take Christ out of Christmas. We do that all on our own when we miss the miracle of Christmas and when we fail to love In the book they write, the miracle of Christmas is that God, all-powerful, almighty, creator of the universe, willingly chose to become God incarnate, God in flesh, as a vulnerable baby to enter into struggles of humankind at a tumultuous time and in a nondescript place. God came to us. Jesus, the down-to-earth God, demonstrates fully the love, humility, obedience, and sacrificial lifestyle that we as Jesus' followers are in turn called to embrace and to live out. God loved us so much that he willingly emptied himself of all divine rights and privileges, sacrificing everything so that we as God's children might have everything. God loved us so much that he willingly emptied himself of all divine rights and privileges, sacrificing everything so that we as God's children might have everything. Agreeing and winning seem to be about achieving something that we don't even need. Getting people to agree with us tends to be about our need to be right. Winning seems to be about our need to be in a place of power and honor and recognition. We want to be on Jesus' right and on Jesus' left. Jesus gave up everything so that we might have everything that matters. And we dismiss everything that matters when we make anything more important than love. It's that simple. 
and it's that difficult. This is just a red cup that holds coffee, although not right now. It's just a red cup. That's all that it matters for. This, however, (laughs) this is the cup that matters. This is the cup that holds the depth of God's love for us. This is the cup from which we all drink. This is the cup that holds God's saving love, that makes us whole. This is the cup that even those with whom we disagree drink. The people on the other side of the issues for us drink from the same cup. This is the cup that matters. As you come to communion today, as you come to this table, I invite you to bring with you in your imagination, in your, in your heart, someone with whom you disagree. And realize that they drink from this cup too. And knowing that, I invite you to listen for how God might be asking you to love them differently and how to love them well. We don't all have to agree to drink from this cup. And drinking from this cup, friends, we've already won. We don't have to be in competition with one another for who's right and who's wrong and who wins and who loses. We all win because Christ died for us. How well do you love, especially those with whom you disagree? Let's pray. Lord, it's so hard for us sometimes to see past issues that divide us. We feel strongly and believe strongly so many things. And sometimes in the strength of, of our opinion, we miss, we miss those that you invite us to love. And so we pray that you would help us understand that we drink from the same cup, the cup of your redeeming love, the cup poured out for us that we might be whole. So help us as the body of Christ in this place choose to be the ones who have been made whole and who work to share that wholeness and that salvation and that love with others. Let us be ones who work to be unified together on the same team rather than to be divided based on opinion and based on an issue. Help us see one another as your beloved, knowing that we are your beloved as well. Give us the courage this Advent season as we anticipate the new work that you are doing already and not yet, the new work that you do in the world and in our hearts in the birth of Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.